Hey, power people. Welcome to Renewable Rides, powered by Vector. I'm Gareth Evans, the CEO and founder. And I'm Dan Roberts, head of sales. In each episode, we'll uncover the latest trends, learnings, challenges, and triumphs relating to the energy transition, on-site energy, and sustainability through the experiences of our inspiring guests and team here at Vector. So get ready for an exhilarating adventure into the fast-paced world of challenging limits, adapting purposely, and empowering co-creation to accelerate the energy transition with those that are on a mission to create a more resilient, profitable, sustainable, and thriving energy future. So let's go. All right, welcome back everyone to another episode of Renewable Rides. Today, Gareth and I will be talking about how rising supply chain costs are impacting businesses and ultimately all of us as consumers and how businesses can actually produce one of their most critical inputs. So there was a surprising twist in the recent weeks from one of the most prominent restaurant chains in the world, which was the inspiration for the episode today. Gareth, can you get us up to speed on what's been going on? Yeah, I love the term McFlation. I uh, I hadn't heard that until recently, and I really like it. I've always known about the McBurger tracking that The Economist does, which they use to actually prove around the world what different currency and exchange rates should be by comparing the cost of Big Macs around the world. And I find that super interesting. So check out the Big Mac Index if anyone hasn't heard of it. But yeah, the CEO of McDonald's came out and admitted that the sales for their fast food had actually diminished for the first time probably in their history. And this was as a result of customers saying products were costing too much. And in one particular example, one of their Chicago chains was being criticized for a Big Mac meal costing $18, which is unbelievable. The CEO came out and said, actually, it's cheaper for people to eat at home. And I completely understand and we need to do something about it. But he didn't go far as as far as saying they're going to reduce their prices, maybe just that they won't escalate them at the rate that they have been. So super interesting that even fast food, cheap food is actually becoming too expensive for the general consumer. And a lot of this has to do with a very complex supply chain. Like why are these burgers going up so much in price? Wages is a big one. Over the weekend in California here, fast food workers and a number of big chain restaurants agreed to a new labor deal whereby the minimum wage would be increased to $20 an hour from April onwards. So obviously wages is a big impact. And then food prices have gone up significantly. And the research shows that food prices are very closely tied to the cost of energy. And we can talk more about that in a minute. But Dan, across this supply chain, it is complex. And there's, you know, we're seeing inflation across the board. What are you seeing in terms of some of the standout stats? Yeah, I haven't spent much time looking at the Big Mac index, but I will now, now that I've learned about it. Appreciate you highlighting that. So outside of uh, outside of fast food, one of the big increases of late is, has been labor costs. You touched on that a little bit. Uh, a few other examples recently have been within the auto industry. So the new contract between the United Auto Workers Union and the three major car manufacturers here in the U.S., General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, will raise the pay for auto workers that are, that are part of the union at least 11% immediately and more more than likely 30% over the life of this of this contract. So pretty substantial increases 
Now, I was reading that while labor is only about 7% of the total costs of, of a vehicle, we shouldn't necessarily see that impact the, the price at, uh, at the dealerships, but still, it's, it's an impact to those automakers. Another big example is, is UPS. They had a recent labor contract where the Teamsters represented UPS union was threatening a strike and ultimately struck uh, the most expensive contract in, in UPS, if not uh, labor history with their five-year deal. That's ultimately going to cost uh, UPS over $30 billion for those labor workers. Now, I was looking into things and, and it looks like the labor costs overall have largely tracked with inflation, yet the Institute for Supply Chain Management does expect wages and benefits related costs to rise by 5.2%. So uh, I think that we're going we're gonna to see that, that uh, increase over the coming years. As far as raw materials, the, the still that, that Institute for Supply Chain Management expects raw materials to rise 3.2% during these first five months of 2024. And I was digging into steel and aluminum in particular. And, and steel, I'm going to go way back. If you look all the way back to 1960, between 1960 and now, steel has increased 1,400%. And so a uh, pretty substantial increase there. But over the past 10 years, it's gone up uh, about 10 years ago. It was sitting about 750 US dollars per ton of steel. Um, it then spiked up during COVID to reach almost $2,000 a ton, but then it settled back down and, and is just a bit above 800 at this point. On the aluminum side, similar, it's been through quite a few cycles over the past 10 years, peaking out nearly $4,000 a ton and has settled back in about $2,200 a ton. And then lastly, largely tied back to McDonald's on the, the food side of things, I was looking into corn and soybean in particular. And soybean has increased since 1960, just under 500%, similar with corn at 498%, according to the National Agricultural Statistics Service. But looking at that compared to electricity, that I think is the, the, the real eye-opener. Electricity has increased 747% since 1960 across the U.S. on average. That's set through 2022. But when you look at it through 2024, it's 826%. So huge jumps in the last two years. And we're only expecting that to, to grow over the coming years, especially as we see some of these major rate hikes with, with the major utilities. So all of this is somewhat connected, Gareth. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think what we're seeing as a general trend is that all of these supply chain costs are going up, but they all largely tie back to the increase in energy costs. And so just for a, a little example on the food side, so from the McDonald's perspective, when you think about why are our food prices going up and compare that to energy, it's because we need energy to irrigate our fields. So we need to pump water around the fields. We need fuel consumption to drive our tractors. We use a lot of gas to produce fertilizer. We then have to um, process the food, transport the food, package it, all very energy intensive processes. We then need to refrigerate it. We need to deliver it. We need to put it into a grocery store. All of these are huge energy intensive processes. And people wonder why the cost of food <laughs> continues to go up. And for a general, like an average family in the US, they'll drop almost $16,000 on groceries that like this year alone. And that's up almost 6% on last year. And, you know, we can actually blame the cost of energy for a lot of that. What are your thoughts on that, Dan? Yeah, I think the, 
interconnected web of the supply chain is is something that I think we we really felt during COVID, and and you saw the 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 delays in supply chains, especially as globalization has has really taken over. I think businesses, when they when they look at their supply chains, especially commodities and and inputs to their businesses, hedging has not been something that is that is a new concept. Businesses are constantly hedging on future buying futures for for different commodities when prices are low, so that they can reap the benefits of those. Yet, largely have not really thought about that from the energy perspective. Maybe so, somewhat in in gas, um, natural gas but mostly been at the mercy of the utilities from an electricity perspective. What are you seeing? Yeah, yeah, completely agree. I think, and when our electricity rates, you know, that are the input to a lot of these processes we're talking about are going up on average at least 3%, and then in some places, 30% or more year on year. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, that's not going to stop. You know, infrastructure is aging. It's struggling, struggling to keep up with current capacity, let alone growing capacity due to electrification. And so businesses are going to continue to see this import to everything that impacts their business going up, which then impacts all their other processes. And I think, uh, Dan, you often say this is, you can't go out back and start producing your own cans if you're a brewery. As a steel maker, you're not sorry. As a car maker, you're not going to go out and produce your own steel or aluminum to produce the vehicles. And yet, you do actually have the ability to control your energy inputs to your business. And we can completely hedge against this rising cost by generating and storing energy on site. And you can tell us a lot about that, Dan. Yeah. The, I think when we when we think about deploying an onsite energy system, you're able to either invest upfront in these assets that uh, typically have a 20 plus year lifespan, so you can make an upfront investment and enjoy the the kind of fixed cost of that energy long term. Because particularly with solar, or if you if you're if you're more in a rural location and and have the ability to deploy wind, the operational costs or the fuel costs are are largely free. I mean, it's the sun or it's the wind. Um, so it really just is that upfront investment. There are other commercial models that companies are taking advantage of as well if they don't want to put in that upfront investment where they can either put no cost upfront or very little cost upfront to get a fixed or or slightly escalating cost over time in the form of a power purchase agreement, which we've hit on previous, hit on, on previous episodes, uh, which we can link back to. So, yeah, as you said, I mean, it's it's oftentimes 10 to 30 percent less expensive than the utility power in many places in the country. And I think more and more businesses or business leaders are waking up to to this reality. So I think as we as we look across how businesses are getting impacted by labor, raw materials, food increases, they can do something about energy cost increases. So uh, I think there's there's hope on the horizon, even with all the all the challenges that uh, that we've been seeing. Yeah, don't take the pain across the board. You know, control what you can control. You know, they say control the controllables, and energy is a controllable part of your business. I certainly, as a business leader, far prefer to lock in my energy costs today and know that I can plan and have certainty of those energy costs for the next ten to twenty five years, versus running the gauntlet of what is it going to go up next year. Because it's just margin erosion. When your energy costs go up, 
it makes up five to 40% of your direct operating costs, not even talking about all of those knock-on compounding supply chain costs that we've been talking about. So huge opportunity to get after it, embrace it, differentiate your business, take control of it, hedge your risk, and uh, really use it as a, as a positioning differentiator to, to win more contracts, retain contracts, and ultimately be able to deploy your capital into managing some of these other aspects of your business. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Gareth, we haven't touched on a, on a personal note in a couple episodes, and I know you've been uh, been been up to some some big things. Maybe you can share with our listeners what you've been working on. Yeah, the big new project that started in the new year is uh, training up for a hundred mile run in May. So uh, I'm in week six right now. We've gone from running very little in any given week and mainly doing bikes and things to this week's going to be a 40 kilometer week. I've got a 20 kilometer run tomorrow. So it's ramping pretty significantly. And I think uh, it's a really good reminder for me, everything we've talked about today, it's all interconnected. And, you know, for me to achieve these objectives, I have to bring a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. That has to be the plan. That has to be the taking the baby steps. You know, I can't go from zero to 10. I have to go from zero to one and then incrementally build it up. And we see the same for the customers that we serve. You know, many people have energy objectives or challenges and you don't have to bite it all off at once. Let's do it in baby steps. Let's build up. Let's have a plan. Let's do it in a really sustainable and uh, purposeful way. And so I'm kind of living by doing, comparing business challenges to personal challenges. And this one gives me a huge amount of thinking time. So maybe I'll bring some of those thoughts back to future podcasts. How about you, Dan? You had a bit of a rough weekend. Oof, yeah, I, uh, it was it was a rough week. Uh, some, some of our listeners may know I'm a, I grew up north of San Francisco, have been a lifelong Niners fan. And uh, the Super Bowl was tough it was a fun fun one most of the time and, and then tough at the end and i think my biggest reflection on it was in the in kind of the the hours and and days following the the loss in the super bowl that it came out that the the 49ers most of the players and and maybe even some of the coaching staff were not completely aware of the the difference or recent changes in the overtime rules and how the overtime rules in the playoffs were different than that of the regular season. And I think that threw a lot of them for a loop. And my reflection on that is, is it's so important to understand the, the nuances of the game or, or in our case, the nuances of, of the energy space. And, and most of the business leaders that we work with, they are experts in their particular domains and not necessarily experts in energy and they need help in navigating all of the the dynamic changes to incentives and policies and costs and and technologies that they should consider and so while it was a it was a painful loss i i took up, certainly took some uh, some positive reflections out of it and helping people understand the rules of the game to uh, ultimately excel and win. And hopefully we're back next year and we'll know the rules quite, uh, quite well and, and won't, uh, won't fare so poorly. I love that because we are like, we're in energy overtime, aren't we? The rules have changed and uh, the clock is ticking and you got to score that first touchdown and get it done. That's right. Yep, exactly. Well, I'm excited to, to hear your, results of the long runs tomorrow i i 
can't say that I envy you. I will mm-hmm. look forward to joining you for portions of your hundred miler in May. <laughs> but uh, I, I commend you for taking on this challenge, and I know that you're gonna you're gonna crush it when the day comes, and it's gonna be a lot of blood and sweat and tears in the meantime. But uh, you do it with a smile every step of the way. Appreciate you. Great discussion. Loved it. And uh, looking forward to the next one. Sounds good. Take care, guys. Cheers, Dan. We receive a lot of questions from business leaders around the world wanting to learn more about the energy transition, what is possible, and where to start. So to help you stay informed and up to date on best practices, opportunities, risks, and success stories, we created an industry news feed at vector.com forward slash news with all our podcasts, blogs, and newsletter. Check it out and connect with Dan, myself, and the Vector team to learn more. Cheers, and have a good one.